Amen. Okay, hallelujah. Everyone who's washed, say hallelujah. That feels good to say that, doesn't it? You know what hallelujah means? It means praise God. Hallelujah. Okay, just one announcement before we get going here. Um, if you have yet to pay, if you've yet to pay with your time here, I want you to encourage you to uh, let God's Word digest in you. We don't want you to have the indigestion problem like Kyle was talking about earlier. We don't want it to be two years later, you know what I mean? We don't want you to experience that. Um, and Lily also knows who has not paid. She knows. No, I'm just kidding. But she actually may know. So um, be sure to pay um, just the registration and all that stuff before you leave and uh, take care of that. You'll feel much better when you go to sleep tonight. Go ahead, Brother Paul. Yes, we don't want the ranger to give you a ticket. So take, take care of that if you need to right now. Okay, um, everybody have an outline. Yes. It's this one. It's different from the one before, but it has the same um, title at the top. Let's all read the title at the top together. Ready, go. Enjoyment, growth, functioning, building. Okay, I want to start out um, this time with the story of a young man in Judea. In the first century, first century, um, there's a young man in Judea who was a um, Roman citizen, but he's also a Jew. He's raised um, in the religion of his fathers. Um, he's bright, very bright, um, healthy Jewish upbringing. And he was so given to the vision his uh, dad and his parents had laid out for him, so given to it that he would be willing to pursue with religious zeal to guard anything that would harm uh, that religion. Anything. And there was a, a group developing that was, in his mind, teaching a dangerous heresy, dangerous heresy against what he had given himself to. And so he handed himself over to pursue them lock persons like this up, perhaps even approve of, vote against them when it came to execution, when it came to stoning these persons. And there was one day that changed this young man's life forever. Changed this young man's life forever. No longer is he simply operating in the area of Jerusalem, but he's going to Damascus to carry out the same type of service to round up all these uh, dangerous Heretics that are causing harm to a religion so steeped in values and culture and history. He's going to Damascus to do the same thing, round up these dangerous persons. And there was a moment in his life that changed him, changed the course of his life and changed the core of his being forever. And as he's riding to the road to Damascus, a bright light shone so bright that it stopped him in his tracks everyone with him saw that light but only he heard an audible voice from the heavens and that voice said Saul Saul why are you persecuting me 
Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That short sentence hit Saul at the very core of his being and altered both him and the rest of his life. That one sentence. He said, who, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus. There was a great realization, a great revelation that happened in Paul's heart. God had given him a spirit of wisdom and revelation and revealed something to him. I'm locking up persons on the earth. I'm persecuting them. I'm approving of their death. But there's a man in the heavens that says, that's me. I'm doing this to persons. And Jesus says, I'm actually doing that to him. Saul, why are you persecuting me? Capital M, me. I thought I'm just guarding Judaism against this dangerous group of heretics. Actually, the Lord from the heavens says, you're persecuting me. So that word operated in Paul for years and years and years to the extent that in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, when he's writing to the church in Corinth, which, by the way, is full of problems, full of problems, he says to them, right at the top of your page, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. He says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. See, he realized that little word that Jesus spoke to him operated in him, and he realized these persons on the earth that believe in Jesus actually come into such a union with Jesus that they're, they're actually the members of his body. They're the members of his body. Uh, you can take this metaphorically, but I want to tell you right now, this is a reality. Now you are the body of Christ Amen. and members individually. To the extent that if someone were to harm you, Jesus would say, why are you doing that to me? And to the extent that if you were to give a cup of water to another believer, Jesus would say, thank you for doing that to me. And as much as you've done it to the least of my brethren, you've done it unto me. So this word operated in Paul, and it altered the course of his entire life. Amen. To the extent, even so much as not, he would just have this kind of overarching vision and philosophy, but even seeing each believer as a particular member in Christ's body, that would even govern how he would direct the brothers and sisters to practically meet in the churches that he raised up. So I'll give you an example. When he raises up the church in Corinth, he goes there, he preaches the gospel, people get saved, they become the church. He tells them, now, you guys, you're the members of Christ's body, and you all, each one of you, have a particular function. So when you come together to meet as the church, each one of you should have something of Christ to bring Amen. to the meeting, Amen. some kind of song or some kind of... A verse, something from the Word, some experience of Christ 
that you've had during the week. And then because each one of you is a crucial member, whenever you come together, have something and each one should have the opportunity to function. So you see this awesome vision that Saul slash Paul had as a young man not only governed his entire life, it even governed practically the way the church would meet. So it wasn't just something that stayed up here in the air. It was so practical that he would say, hey, when you guys get together, make sure each one has the opportunity to say something because you literally are the members of Christ's body. You are. You are the body of Christ. The sad thing is that what I just described there has somehow been lost over 2,000 years in church history. It's been lost. It's not the church's practical experience in general across the face of the earth today. The body of Christ is some kind of up, up here kind of doctrine that we all say, yeah, 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 I know about that. I've heard about that. When we mention the word body of Christ, oh yeah, yeah, I know about that. I'm a Christian. I know about that. Yeah, I've heard about that before. That's called the I know disease. I know, yeah, 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 I know, I know that. Yeah. Yeah, I know that. You don't need to say more. I've already heard that before. Yeah, thank, I know, I know, I know. I'll give you an example. Like all of the body of Christ is one. Oh yeah, yeah, I know that. I know that. Yeah, we're all one. We're all one. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's one. Yeah, yeah, I know that. But in practicality. How much oneness is there? Think about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I know that. Yeah, I know that. Then where is it? See, something that was so practical to Paul, something that was very much experienced, now today is just, that's just something that, oh, yeah, we kind of nod our head about. Yeah, yeah, I know about that, but not much experience. Or... How about each one having, each one being a genuine, precious member that has a function, that should, that should even have the opportunity to function. Oh, yeah, 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 I know that. Yeah, we're all members. Yeah, yeah, cool, man. I know that too. Yeah, I know. We're all members. Okay, well, why then not much functioning from every member? Unfortunately, the experience of most members of the body of Christ is they get enjoyment, some, and they get growth, some. They come to the meeting. There's some very um, exercised members who are good at what they do. They've functioned a lot. That's great. They come. Members receive while a few function. Receive, enjoy, grow a little bit. See you later. Next time. Next time they come, they come, sit, receive. They enjoy. They grow a little bit. And next time, the same thing. Not much practical experience of functioning across the entire face of the earth. It it would be like, um, for example, it would be like, what if my right arm was dramatically much more huge and muscled up and, I mean, exercised than the rest of my body. That would be imbalanced. Something something not quite right. 
I mean, it's so good that I'm so strong in one area, but why all the other members not so strong? Something a little imbalanced. What we want to experience is the overall arc of the book of 1 Corinthians. These four words, enjoyment, growth, functioning, building. The more we enjoy of Christ, we have that takeaway. Enjoy Christ. What's the result? We grow. You know what happens after we grow? When we grow to a certain extent, we have the ability to function. And the more we develop and practice those functions, the body gets built. You know, I wasn't always this size that I am now. I didn't always look like this. I didn't come out of my mother's womb six foot four, 250 pounds. I didn't. You know, little Luke Ng, he's not here right now, Meryl's son. But at one point in time, believe it or not, I looked like little Luke. Just, I mean, just a cute little chunk, you know? <laughs> he was a beautiful little baby boy. I didn't have those blonde curls or those blue eyes, but nonetheless, you get the, you get the idea. You know what happened? My mother did a very wise thing. She fed me a lot <laughs> over the course of my life. She fed me a lot. And you know what? As I enjoyed that food, something incredible happened. I grew. I grew as a result of that. I grew. And you know what? As I grew, it was the most amazing thing. It was all of a sudden I started developing these functions. I was able to walk as I grew. I ate. I enjoyed. I grew. And then you know what? I could, I could start walking a little bit. I wasn't very good at it at first. But the more I did it, the better I got at it. And then the crazy thing, I could talk too. I could talk. Boy, I could, even, I could even read. I could write. Amazing. Those, these functions started developing. And you know what? The more I did that, boy, then I got involved in athletics. And you'd be surprised how big I got after that. I got to be huge. I started developing. I started purposefully developing all these functions. In college, I would exercise the function of my members four hours every day. Particularly, definitely, strenuously, I would go and I would exercise all of my members for four hours every day running and lifting weights. And you know what happened? My body got built. My body got built. The natural result of all the members functioning in a definite way, continually, regularly, is that the body gets built. When the members function, the body gets built. Now, I'm not as big as I used to be. You know why? Not as much function. I don't definitely, strenuously, particularly exercise the function of all my members. So you know what's happened? I got smaller. I got smaller. That's what happens. So as we progress into this, we're going to be talking about functioning a lot. And I just want to give us a, kind of a framework to understand what Paul's talking about. So we're going to read in Romans 12 here. The main takeaway you need to take away from this speaking this time is that it is so crucial that we see who we are as members 
of the body of Christ. First Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ. If you take away one thing, it's that we need to truly see the body of Christ and who we are as members. Okay? All right, let's read Romans 12, 4 through 8. We'll just read it, take it a verse at a time, and I'll make a couple comments in between each sentence. So let's all read Romans 12, 4 together. Ready, go. For just as in one body we have many members, and all the members do not have the same function. Okay, so my ear does not have the same function as my eye. Does that make sense? The eye sees and the ear hears. They do not have the same function. And actually, it would be incredibly illogical for my ear to be jealous of my eye, right? It would be very illogical for my right hand to do its very best to see. No matter how hard I try, my right hand can't see. That makes sense? So everyone's a different member. And those members have different functions. Okay. All right, let's read verse 5 together. Ready, go. So we who are many are one body in Christ, and So even though we're many, these many members make up the one body of Christ. And individually, we're members one of another. So I'll give you an example. My index finger is of my hand. It's intimately related to my hand and all the other fingers. Now, what, were to, what would happen if my index finger were to want to be separated from the other ones that it's of or related to? What would happen? It, it would die. Say that. It would die. Don't die. That's good advice. Take that, take that home with you. Take that home with you. Okay? You don't want to die, okay? It's very important that all these members see, oh, I, yeah, we're, we're one, and I, actually, I'm intimately related. I should be intimately related with all these other members. They're members one of another. Make sense? Okay, let's keep going. Um, next verse, let's, and actually, let's just read 6, 7, and 8 all together. Ready, go. Okay, now this is not an exhaustive list, but you can see here Paul lays out a number of things that persons can be definitely uh, gifted or function as. They do as members of the body. So what are they? One is prophecy. That's the first one Paul mentions. Another one is service. Another one is teaching. Another one is exhorting, exhortation. How about giving? Did you know that's a function? You know, that's something you can do as a member of the body of Christ. Yeah. Leading. Showing mercy. How about that? Showing mercy. I want you to just throw some things out here at me. What's a service that you can do or you see different members do that is a profitable 
function for the building up of the body of Christ. Just throw some things out at me, some ideas. We're not going to shoot down your idea. It's not a bad idea. Just, just throw it out there. Hospitality. hospitality. Yeah. What a great service. Yeah. <laughs> and by hospitality, opening, opening up your home to receive the saints, come stay. You better believe that is a valuable function in the body of Christ. What are some other services? Clean the meeting hall. That's valuable. If the saints are going to gather together, there needs to be a proper place for us to meet, right? Somebody had something over here? Giving rides. Giving rides. How about that? Brothers and sisters, did you know that giving a ride can be something that builds up the body of Christ and carries out God's eternal purpose? Did you know that? How about cutting the grass at the meeting hall? How about cutting the grass of some sister who's sick and can't make it out there? If you don't see that as a valuable function, as a member of the body of Christ, for the working out of God's eternal purpose, then our sight needs to be helped. We need a little more seeing. How about showing mercy? What, what do you think needs to happen if... Um, a member that's close to you has a giant, huge failure that they may never recover from. They're so down, they're so downtrodden, they're so depressed, they think there's no way I could ever be involved in God's purpose again. I'm finished, I'm through. Mercy, mercy. Showing mercy is a valuable valuable function in the body of Christ showing mercy even something as simple as giving money from your paycheck can be a function that builds up the body of Christ and carries out God's eternal purpose if you ever had the thought oh well I yeah I mean I'm kind of second class here I mean I, I can't be involved in that thing but I you know I I could give a little money, you know. Giving money from your paycheck is a valuable function in the body of Christ that carries out God's eternal purpose. If it's belittled in your mind, maybe some sight needs to be adjusted there. We need to see the body of Christ and see the the value in all of the members and in all of the functions of the body of Christ. Okay, so moving on from there, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about two erroneous concepts we can have as members. There are two erroneous concepts that we can just naturally have, and maybe um, we may be more dispositionally bent towards one or another, but actually we experience both of them all the time. We oscillate between both of them, depending on uh, you know, which way the, the wind is blowing, depending on how we feel that day and what our mood is and these kind of things. Okay, So the first erroneous concept is in 1 Corinthians 12, 16. When you get to that blank there, just say blank. Okay, Let's read 1 Corinthians 12, 16 together. Ready, go. Because I am not blank, I'm not of the body. This blank here, what I want you to think in your mind is think of in your mind 
Um, whoever is in your life, they are just the most excellent believer you can think of. Boy, they're faithful. Boy, they're always about it. Every time uh, you come to a meeting, they were there 30 minutes before. You know what I mean? In your mind, so excellent, um, so manifest, it's obvious what their function is. And boy, they're just, man, God uses them. And oh, man, they're such a blessing. And I want you to think about that person in your mind. Just take a second. And think about who that person is. Okay, don't say it out loud. But this is the concept we can have. You know what? Because I'm not brother so-and-so, I'm not of the body. My function is just, man, it don't matter if I'm here or not. Praise the Lord that that guy's here. <laughs> Praise the Lord he's here. And you know what? You know what? I will never be like him. I'll never be like him. That is an inferiority complex. It's an inferiority complex. And in that, what's actually happening is that we're despising ourself, what kind of member God has made us and where he's placed us. And what we're doing is we're coveting another member's portion. We're coveting, oh, if I could just be like him, if I could do that. So we despise ourselves and we covet someone else's portion from the Lord. The second erroneous concept is in 1 Corinthians 12, 21. Let's read this one. This one's a little more straightforward. Ready, go. I have no need of you. Okay, that one's pretty straightforward there. I have no need of you. This is a superiority complex. Superiority complex. And what's happening here is that we're despising others who are not like us. I hate to use that word, but it's true. We're despising others who are not just like us. And that's called pride. That's called pride. Now, the source of both of these erroneous concepts, even though they're different, the source is one and the same. You know what the source is? We don't see who we are as members. We don't see the body, and we do not see who we are as members. Even though they're so different, miles apart even. Actually, we oscillate between them and experience them a lot, but the source is the same. We don't see the body, and we don't see who we are as members. Okay, uh, this is just as an illustration here. Uh, Austin, how about you come help me, bro? You just stand up here. And Brian, how about you help me? Will you help me? Is it okay? Just stand up here. It's just standing. We're just going to use you as, as an illustration. Okay, let's have you on the right here, Austin. Brian, we'll have you on the left. Okay, now um, this is uh, Brother I over here, okay? Brother I is, has a very obvious manifest function, okay? And he also has a very specific placement that is um, under God's sovereignty, okay? So let's just say Brother I, he is in school, and uh, he doesn't, doesn't have to work a second job or anything like that, okay? Um, things at home are pretty good, okay? And he has the uh, availability and the opportunity. Boy, he has like... 
three or four appointments every day. And boy, he has morning revival for a long time, long time, every morning. And he's at every meeting. And at all of the break times, he has the opportunity. I mean, he's not, he just has the availability and it's a very specific placement. Every break time, he is flying somewhere all over the earth to go to some awesome Christian conference, okay? And boy, when he comes home, he's got an excellent testimony to tell. I mean, blow you away, blow your face off kind of testimony. You know what I mean? Just like, whoa. Okay? This is Brother I. Very, very obvious, okay, what his function is. Okay, and over, over here, we've got Brother Pinky Toe. Okay? Now, I'm just, I'm, this is just illustration. I'm just making stuff up, okay? All right. Brother Little Toe. You know, your little toe is, is covered most of the time. You don't see people's little toe most of the time. You just don't. And Brother Little Toe, it's just not so obvious what his function is right now. This is not so obvious. And you know what? Because of his specific placement and situation, um, Brother Little Toe, he's got to work. He's, gotta, he's in school, but he's also got to work. He's got to work hard. So he's working 25, 30 hours every week, okay? He's taking full load, okay? He's got full load of classes. He's in engineering, okay? So his classes aren't easy, okay? It's not like he's, I, I went to the comm school, okay? He's not, he's not taking my classes, okay? Now, I enjoyed my classes. I don't want to put the comm school down. But he's in double E, which is kind of a different, different realm, okay? So he's got tough classes, and because of his specific situation, he's got to work and work hard and work a lot. And so you know what? He's not as available to be around. He's just not as available. He might be able to have a appointment, <laughs> a single appointment during the week. He's got one. Okay, he's got an appointment. A single appointment. And you know what? At the special uh, outings, a lot of times he just can't go. He just can't go. And you know what? When it's uh, vacation time, big conference time, you know what he's got to do? He's got to work more. He's got to pick up extra hours so that when next semester comes around, he has enough money to make it. So he's got a very specific placement and very specific situation. And you know what? They're actually they're both very different members with different functions. Okay, now, I'm just going to give you a hypothetical, okay? Brother I, he's coming home from an awesome conference that he got to go to. And he's given an awesome testimony. And Brother Little Toe got to make it to the meeting. This is one he got to make it to. But, just to give you a little preface, he also had a big failure earlier on in the week. Big failure. Okay? So he's down. Um, you know, man, he, he's had some fellowship with the Lord about it and said, Lord, I'm sorry, but be honest, he's real disappointed in himself. Big failure. He makes it to the meeting. He's late. He slinks in the back. Sits down on the back row, and as he's sitting down, Brother I is just finishing an incredible testimony. And all the saints are knocking him down with amens. Amen, 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 amen. You almost can't even hear him talk. There's so many amens, okay? <laughs> and as Brother Little Toe is sitting there on the back, just off his fresh failure, and doesn't have the time doesn't have the, the, the same situation, the same placement, he thinks, I will never, ever, ever be like that. Never. 
There is no way I'll ever be like that. I might as well not have come. Now, which one of these guys does Jesus love more? Which one of these guys does Jesus like more? You know, this one, this one he's, a, he's a lot more available. Uh, in an outward way, he does a lot more stuff. He gets more amens. He goes to more stuff. Which one does Jesus like more? How about this? Whose function is more crucial to God's purpose on the earth? Which one? Who does Jesus prefer? Who does He favor more? You know, if Jesus, if Jesus could physically, if He could appear, if He could speak from the heavens like He did to Paul, He may say to Brother Little Toe, He may say to Brother Little Toe, He may say the verses in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, and 22. Let's read them together. Ready, go. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body, even as He will. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. You know what he'd say to Brother Little Toe? He'd say, Little Toe, I love you. I love you. He'd say, I love you. If you ever doubt, if you ever doubt my love toward you, you don't have to look any farther than what I did for you on the cross. You don't have to look any farther. It is an eternal demonstration of how I feel about you and how I love you. Don't ever, you don't have to ever wonder if you've done enough to earn my love. You never have to wonder that. Never. I love you. That's why I died for you on the cross. Never do you have to wonder about that. And you know what? I know your situation is different than some others. But it's actually my design. I placed you there. I wanted you there. I, I know it's different. I know you're not as available. I know you don't look like other members, but I wanted you there. I placed you there. God has placed the members, each one of them. It was actually my specific design that you, exactly as you are, would be in that situation. It's my will. I wanted you there. I wanted you in that situation because you're going to experience me in a particular way. And your function is going to be something that I would describe as indispensable. Indispensable. You know what? You, you, think, you think you're so low. You think you're so different. You seem to be weaker. You seem to be weaker. That's the truth of it. You seem to be weaker. But you know what? Your function is just as indispensable to my body. It's as indispensable to God's purpose on the earth than any other members. You are indispensable to me. 
It is important, brothers and sisters, that we see that no matter our situation, no matter our failure, no matter what may come, we are never less than a member of the body of Christ. Never. We will never be less than a sovereignly placed in God's love, under God's will. We will never be less than a loved member of the body of Christ who is indispensable to God's move. Indispensable. Thank you, brothers. Second erroneous concept here is a little more straightforward. 1 Corinthians 12, 21, I have no need of you. Uh, Right now, at least, I can't think of many more things that would be more untrue and hurtful to both parties involved than a, a, a Christian to look at another, a member to look at another member and say, um, man, I have no need of you. You're not on my level. Number one, it's untrue. That brother, sister, whatever member doesn't see properly themselves as a member of the body of Christ who's in desperate need to be connected lest they be isolated and die. And at the same time, it's harmful. It's harmful both to the person involved, the person who says that, because in doing that, that that member isolates themselves from other members. I don't need you. I can have the supply by myself. My index finger doesn't need to be connected to the rest of my hand. It doesn't need it. In actuality, it does. So it's harmful to the person who says that. It's also harmful to the person it's said to. Harmful. In 1 Timothy 3.6, we get a window. There's three verses here that I put down here that gives us a biblical window into what pride is and how it affects us as members. So this, I have no need of you, is rooted in pride and not seeing who we are as members. First one says, this is Paul talking about elders and who should be an elder or what the qualifications are. And Paul says, not a new convert, lest being blinded with pride. Circle that, underline that. Lest being blinded with pride, he fall into the judgment suffered by the devil. Blinded with pride. Pride blinds us. And as a result, we don't see correctly. We don't see ourselves properly as members, and we don't see others properly as members. We can't properly evaluate things because we're blinded by pride. And this is the exact same thing that the devil himself fell into. He was blinded with pride, and thus he thought himself so excellent that he was deserving of the throne of God. I'm so excellent, I will ascend to the Most High. I will ascend. He thought himself to be deserving to be equal with God. What this sounds like for us, well, let me point this out. This is the exact thing that a Pharisee experienced in the Gospels. He looked at, he looked at another person praying in the temple, and he said, God, I thank you that I'm not like that tax collector. And then he started listing off all the things on his spiritual resume. I give a tenth of everything that I ever receive. 
I always, I fast two times a week. I do this, I do this, I do this. Praise God that I'm not like Him. So what spiritual pride sounds like is, for us, well, at least I'm not like them. I'm not as excellent as some, but at least I'm not like them. And it may be followed with listing off some things on our spiritual resume. At least I'm not like them. I always do this. And I never do that. I always go here, and I never go there. At least I'm not like them. Praise God. That is what spiritual pride sounds like. And in actuality, we don't see that. We don't realize what's going on because we're blind at that point in time. But that thought that arises in our heart that actually isolates us from the other members. And it causes harm to both parties involved. Second one is, For I say to everyone who is among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to be sober-minded. Pay attention to the word choices Paul uses here. He says sober-minded. Why does he say that? Because pride intoxicates us. We become intoxicated on how great we think we are. And you know what? Intoxicated persons, they don't see or evaluate things properly. That's why they're not given, you don't give an intoxicated person any responsibility. Intoxicated persons aren't allowed to drive a car for a reason because they're actually a danger both to themselves and to others. Pride intoxicates us. And it makes us unaware and unable to properly function or see others or ourselves for who we are. Intoxicated persons sometimes think they're invincible. Last one is, this is Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. This is from the King James Version, Pride Goes Before the Fall. And if this is our situation, truthfully, sometimes God will help us by allowing us to experience a fall. A lot of times, sometimes we get humbled by our failures. And in that failure, we may actually receive the help and get rescued by the very members we despise. It may be the ones that are not on our level in our own thinking. You're not on my level. You don't do this like I do. You know how often I do this? You know I always do this. You know I never do that. That thing that you're involved in, I never do that. But actually, in our failure, we may get humbled. And we may properly, more properly evaluate who we are as a member. And you know what else? We may see how precious the other members are. We see how precious. Boy, that one I didn't like so much. That wasn't really on my level. I tell you what. He has got a valuable, valuable function. You know what he does? He shows mercy. He just showed it to me. And I'm restored because of that precious brother's function. Precious brother's function.
This um, sentence here that's underneath all this, I hope you remember this for the rest of your life. No matter what happens, you're never less than a member. Never. No matter the failure, no matter your comparison, no matter who you think is so much better than you, you are never less than an indispensable member of the body of Christ whose function fulfills God's purpose. And, on the other hand, we're never more than a member. There's only one king and his name is Jesus. There's one head and his name is Jesus. The rest of us are simply members of the body of Christ. Nothing more and nothing less. What we need to see is the body and who we are as the body, as members. Okay, um, like we talked about before, the more our members function, the more they get built. I know Drew Royke has already left, but sometimes you see some brothers, they exercise a lot, and you know what? Their body gets built. Okay, That's what naturally happens. So the natural result of functioning and all the members functioning not just a few especially gifted ones, but the result of all the members functioning is that the body gets built. That's what naturally happens. So um, these next two verses, like we talked about before, Paul's vision of the body practically affected and directed what he counseled and shepherded the brothers and sisters to do in the church in the first century. And so we read that in 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Um, let's read that all together. Ready, go. Now, specifically in the meetings of the church, our mouth is so crucial. Now, functioning does not always mean that we say something. It doesn't always mean that. But specifically in the meetings, our mouth is so crucial to our functioning. That's why, take notice of this, here in 1 Corinthians 14, 26, everything Paul mentions has to do with our mouth. Each one has a psalm. What do you do with a psalm? You sing it. I don't know if you knew that, but psalms, they're just songs. Each one has a psalm that you would sing, has a teaching that you would teach, has a revelation that you would relate, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Every function has a specific direction, and it is for the consolation, encouragement, and building up of the body of Christ. So our function is not just something that we do to manifest how great we are. It has a specific direction for the building up of the body of Christ. And specifically, Paul mentions here in 1 Corinthians 14 um, that there's a gift that especially we should seek after, and that is prophesying. Let's read 1 Corinthians, uh, these, these verses here below. Ready, go. Pursue love and desire So we should seek and pursue prophesying, prophesying here not mainly in the sense of foretelling the future. I know that's the common understanding just because of our culture and the context we live in today, but that's not mainly what Paul is referring to, to here. What he's referring to is speaking for 
and speaking forth Christ and speaking the counsel and the will of God. You do that every time you share the Bible to somebody. When you share the Word of God to someone, you share Christ, you share the counsel and will of God from His Word. So this is Paul's thought is specifically when we're in the meetings, we all have the opportunity and we even all should have something of Christ to share with our mouth whenever we come together. And that's why when you're among us, there will basically always be some opportunity for you. We call it overflow, for you to function, for you to share something. Or, I mean, why, why doesn't Kyle just have all the songs ready? I mean, just have them ready, right? I mean, you're, you're the guy, right? Just have them ready, okay? Well, no, we want, to make it, we want to make the opportunity for all to have and for each one to have a function and for each one to function. So I want to, let's sing number five. And then we all sing number five, and it's wonderful. Okay, to finish off here, I just want to tell you two stories about um, one is of two brothers and another is of one, another brother. They saw who they were as members of the body of Christ, and they saw where God was placing them, and they willingly accepted it and lived in the vision of that. So the first one is of two brothers that were... Um, with the Moravian Brethren, who's an incredible group in church history. They were actually one of the first groups to have the incredible thought that what Jesus said in Matthew 28, go forth and make disciples of all the nation, that didn't stop with the apostles, and we should be preaching the gospel to people. Sure. That, I, I know that's normal for us today, but when the Moravian brethren were around, that was an incredible thought that we should preach the gospel to people that had actually gotten lost in church history. And so among the Moravian brethren, they're incredible missionaries and all these kind of things. There were two brothers who heard of an island that was owned by an Englishman, an atheist, who owned myriads of slaves on that island and specifically guarded against any Christian, any person who would dare bring the gospel to his island. He would not allow any person that considered themselves a Christian to come and sully and taint his slaves with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he guarded against anyone who would bring the good news of Jesus to his island. And these brothers felt the calling and placement of God, we need to go there. Do you know what they did? They sold themselves to Him as slaves. They said, we will sell ourselves to you if you allow us to come to your island. We want, we want to be your slaves. So that they could be there as little members that no one would ever remember, wouldn't know their names, what happened with them, so that they could be there as little members to bring the gospel to all those slaves there on that island. And they did. They did that. And as they were on the ship, riding off into the sunset, never to be seen again by their family members, and by the brothers and sisters 
in their fellowship, never to be seen again. They called out, just before they got out of earshot, they called out, May the Lamb who was slain receive the reward of His sufferings. May the Lamb who was slain receive the reward of His sufferings. Brothers and sisters, you know what that is? That's two little members that saw who they were and where God has placed them and functioned in that placement gladly and happily for the rest of their life. The other story I'm going to tell you is quite different. There's a brother from China named Brother Henry. And Brother Henry was serving the Lord full time. Serving the Lord full time. And actually he was living by faith, meaning he didn't didn't have a, a regular paycheck coming to him. Brother Henry, his ministry had actually raised up another, a, a number of other brothers and sisters to, for themselves to serve full-time and trust God for any supply monetarily that they would receive. And Brother Henry had had a, a fruitful ministry there. This is in the earlier 1900s. And he saw a plight among a number of the brothers and sisters who had followed his lead to serve full-time, he saw that um, they're not that well-nourished. They're having trouble making it, just getting food. And I'm, not talking about, I'm not talking about like a nice place to live. I'm talking about eating day-to-day. And Brother Henry felt a call from the Lord because of what I've done and these brothers and sisters following my lead, I feel that I should go back and get a job. I should stop my ministry, which has been so fruitful. I should lay that aside, and I should go get a job so that I can make money, and then I can, with my money, make sure these saints have food to eat so that they can continue serving. And so he did that. He stopped his ministry, which was so fruitful, and he went and picked up a job. And you know what people, you know what other members were saying? Other believers? You're chasing that money. Give up your ministry. Go after the world, aren't you? Going after the world. What happened? You don't care for God's purpose anymore? See what a fruitful ministry you've had? Now you're giving up all of it for some job. You know what? Brother Henry, he was a member who saw who he was as a member and his placement in the body and he was faithful to serve in that capacity. And as a result, so many around him were able, they were able to continue serving And the body of Christ was dramatically affected and built up because of His faithful functioning in a very different capacity than we would normally think is right. Brother Henry is also known by a different name as Watchman Nee. And his 
service to drop what he had at one point in time to be faithful to God's calling to serve and function in a very different capacity had a dramatic effect and built the body of Christ. So brothers and sisters, we need to see who we are as members. We are never anything less and we're also never anything more. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to pray for us and then the brothers are going to have some direction for what we should do next, okay? Lord, we love you. We uh, thank you for our time together. Lord, we thank you for this vision in the book of 1 Corinthians. Lord, make us the top enjoyers. Lord, make us those who grow as members. Lord, eventually function in such a solid, definite way. Lord, right where you've placed us. Lord, who cherish how you've made us. Lord, in our placement in your body. And give ourselves to build your body. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.